it's scary to some individuals. We are changing the way people are working from, from the site through to the back office. Let's not pick on an older generation, but that's where the initial fear factor sort of lies. They can get they can get onto it, but there is that hesitancy there. Whereas, you know, we talk about three, four years, I, I genuinely believe that like 50 to 80% of construction sites will be on a digital platform of some sort. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction, innovation, and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Rob Norton. Rob is responsible for new business and existing client relationships at Planned Radar, leading the UK's focus into compliance and fire safety. Rob advises clients on the use of a digital platform to construct and operate buildings and assets to meet new building safety requirements and implement the golden thread. He has 12 years of experience in construction industry, having worked as an engineer before joining Plan Radar four years ago. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you for having me, Todd. Looking forward to it. So I, I always like to get started with kind of your, your origin story. How'd you, how'd you get into the construction industry to begin with? It's an interesting one, really, um, sort of growing up and, and being around construction and having a father sort of in that area, um, went into that engineering sort of background and trying to use my hands uh, to start off in those early periods of life and then sort of progressed into that, you know, the, the digital side of it, because that's where I'm more more suited, to be honest. Yeah, interesting. What, uh, what about the digital side is kind of a, a gravitational pull over there? I think it got to the point of, you know, I, I wasn't as good using my hands uh, <laughs> as, as, as I could have been or some of the people around me. So really went into that, that digital side and, and the transformation of how we can sort of, of change the way that the construction industry is even working as an example, uh, which obviously led me on to, to plan radar as such and trying to find new solutions to support the sector. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm, always uh, a tease that you wouldn't want to live in anything that or even walk through anything that I have <laughs> built. Uh, I'm fascinated with construction and the, the technology side, but uh, I have all the, the mad respect for people that can actually build it and do incredible things because that's it's not necessarily one of my skill sets. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel there, so don't worry, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm a good company then. Uh, so I, I mentioned in the, the intro about the, the golden thread of yep. implementing that. What's the what's the golden thread? So obviously the origin of the golden thread is sort of dating back to, I think it's 1978, of capturing information on sites of that, that audit trail. But more recently, you know, the actual terminology golden thread has been adopted based off of um, the, obviously the Grenfell Tower, where I think 72 people um, lost their lives to that tragic fire. So what the golden thread of information is, is capturing all of the information on site based off of fire safety as a perfect example. So who is installing um, any material on site, let's use like uh, some compartmentation or some fire door as an example, have they got the qualification? Is it the material that's actually from the design phases? Is it the material or, um, being used actually on site and being installed to the manufacturer's uh, recommendations and specifications? So what we've done there is tracked it all the way from the start of a project through to the delivery. So you're capturing that golden thread of where it's manufactured, who's installing it, when it was installed, 
um, all the way through to handover and then that facility management thereafter as well. So it's the full life cycle of everything being brought into a construction project. Mm -hmm. What are the, the hurdles that currently exist in the industry along that, that golden thread to make that a, a true reality? <clears throat> there was, look, it's get, in the UK, we're sort of in a unique area there. Um, I think it's been a lot of the time, it was pe pen and paper based everything that was going into site was just saying, yep, that, that is indeed what is being installed. And if, if you came over to the UK and saw some of the projects, I've genuinely seen newspaper being brought off of facades, the outside of the buildings, um, as being used as insulation. Uh, so, you know, a nice flammable material there being used as insulation on, on lower income areas. So that was one of the sort of big challenges. And I think it's trying to get everybody in the sector to adopt it and work from the same sort of processes and methodology and we've sort of started to figure out that maybe the competency to install it to the right standards isn't there across the entire sector here in the uk and if we start to you know look at this in a global sort of area is everyone competent and doing the work to the, the sort of standard that really is there to be protecting lives or saving lives in case there was a fire and there was a the wrong fire door in as an example there mm -hmm. So what needs to be done then to, to help level up that, that competency gap? You know, these are the questions that the sort of the industry is sort of asking at this moment in time. You know, it's going to come down to, to training. Um, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to like the, the, the mindset of every individual. If we're all working towards, you know, a certain goal as the example, look, we, we don't want any more of these casualties or these these drastic instance to happen in the future and everyone genuinely is there instead of just looking at their bottom line which is what everyone sort of you know we have to we have to adhere to there mm -hmm. and looks at the the sort of saving lives making sure this doesn't happen and, and, and improving the the sort of the compliance as an example and the safety of a structure if that mindset sorts of changes that's what's going to be the big impact and driver on the entire sector really mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so what does connected construction then look like? And what does that really mean to you? You know, that's a, it's a big kind of buzzword and, and goal that's been thrown out in the industry right now. But what does that look like in, in practice to you? So it's bringing in these digital platforms, um, you know, something on site that everyone is involved in or has that the ability to connect to and they're invited in, they can receive their comments and it's in like that one central source of truth, either on site or connecting it back to the, the, the existing digital platforms in the back office, like likes of an ERP system as an example, or a, um, or a CDE document management platform. It's trying to piece all of that together because too many times, and, and this was the prob one of the problems with Grenfell is that information was not stored correctly. It was all over the place. And if we look at delivering projects now, how many times is there a comment in a WhatsApp message here? There's an email message with some information. There's a bit of paper somewhere in a storage container. and We can't access the right information at the right time. Mm -hmm. And this is where that digital transformation is really coming into play to help support the sector of, you know, we don't need shop shipping containers full of documents. That information is now stored in your mobile phone or off on the cloud that you could easily locate in a matter of seconds. How do you get everybody uh, up and running on the, the, the same standards, using the same platform and, and kind of create the, the awareness of this issue to, to create that buy-in? It's, it's a great question. Um, that was one of the original challenges that we sort of found at Plan Radar. Um, and any company for that matter is 
we go into the construction industry and we're trying to introduce digital platforms to a sector that you know five ten years ago this was unheard of to start using you know, a digital piece of software so how do we focus on this and how do we drive this and we took a step back and really focused on the individuals on site doing the work and and carrying it out and it's that simplicity if you can make sure that it's simple and easy to use and you're training people in a mannerism that helps support them moving forward and they can really see the benefit of it then they're more willing to use it um, if you overcomplicate a, a mobile app as an example, you stop using it within a matter of seconds. Mm. And where we've really adhered to, and a lot of you know ourselves and our competitors as well, is we actually use the same sort of images or logos that you'd see on the, the familiar platforms, like an example, like a Facebook or a WhatsApp, you know, the menu bar, the the messaging chat channel. They're used to seeing these same icons day in, day out. So actually, it becomes very familiar very quickly. So that adoption yeah. rate on site is phenomenal. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the uh, things that uh, baffles me a bit on construction tech is there's so many things that we do in our, our daily life that we just take for granted and the, everybody's using technology. And then you come into construction and you know the, the knock on construction is that the, it's an industry that's you know, techno uh, technologically backwards and stuff. And that's not true. It's just that there's the, the expectation that we bring in when we come into the construction uh, going on a job site or whatever is that we don't have the same tech in the, the same features that we do in our, our personal life. And uh, so I, I like that you're, you're bringing in the kind of the expectation and the experience on the, the personal side into the construction side. I think that's, that's really needed. And that will help create the, the adoption that is needed throughout construction. Uh, so kind of thinking through the, the possibility of the, the future of, of where it's going, where do you see the construction digitization really moving in, in the next, you know, kind of couple of years? Well, it's, it's quite exciting times because everyone at the moment is really looking on this, the 3D BIM models and, and the digital twins of all the information captured on site as well. So, you know, we're, this is where we're sort of here now um, and it's slowly, it's slowly being adopted. I think there's always, you always get this initial pushback because it's, it's a, it's scary to some individuals. We are changing the way people are working from, from the site through to the back office um, you know, and, and let's not pick on an older generation, but that's where the initial fear factor sort of lies. They can get they can get onto it, but there is that hesitancy there. Um, whereas, you know, we talk about three, four years. I, I genuinely believe that like 50 to 80 percent of construction sites will be on a digital platform of some sort, managing tasks or programs and so on and so forth, because they're starting to realize those those real key benefits of how it can support them and enhance the project and streamline that delivery as opposed to hindering them because the technology is adapted and has progressed massively over the years. Mm -hmm. So how do you, sorry, the, the part in the pun, how do you bridge the gap between the, the, the different generations there and bring in people that maybe, maybe it's not even generational bearing in the, the people that are more skeptical on, on technology. How do you, bring them into the fold and say no this is easy it's not the the technology that was you may have tried you know 10 years ago and it didn't work it's come a yep. long way since then how do you bring them into the fold 
it's really got to go back into you know the really nurturing individual sort of sort of structure you know if you're nurturing people and showing them how that they can use the system without trying to overcomplicate it that's how we at least get them onto it mm-hmm. there's that initial you know i've i've shown my dad and my parents as an example of how to use the system and, and put it in front of them and they are big technophobes by the way but if you've got that patience and you show them how it's go- how it's going to work and how it's going to benefit their lives then actually they get quite a nice bit of buy-in and, and they're happy to work with something as an example. And I found Plan Radar and some of the other companies that um, we sort of work with as well is the person that's actually the, what class themselves as a self-proclaimed dinosaur. If you can convince them and you can support them, that is your biggest advocate day two. And they'll always work with you because you've given them the time and they really see the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh- you had a very uh, insightful line there of, of making sure that they see the benefits for them. I think all too often the, the trap that a lot of technologists fall in is they they have the benefit for kind of one persona, if you will, and they just keep talking about that benefit to every single persona that they they come in contact with instead of figuring out what are the what are the pain points for that specific person that they're talking to and then addressing that specific kind of use case. It's not a it's not a one size fits all. Uh, I think we have to be pretty good at, at tailoring the the message and the, the benefits to our specific audience. Exactly. You know, if we if you relate it to you know another sector, if if you were driving, let's say, an Audi as an example, and I've given you a, an instruction manual for a BMW, um, all of a sudden you're not you're not going to really get on with it. They're quite similar, um, but you're never really going to understand it. So if we can tailor our training and our support based off of the individual that's going to be, you know, dro- you know, taking the driving seat as an example, and it's showing them the right information in a way that they can understand it, then, you know, they're going to be absolutely flying on the highway um, within a matter of seconds, as opposed to what is going on here. Um, so again, yeah. it comes back to that real, that real nurturing and support element of, of the digital, the digital platforms in the market. Hey, innovators. Do you want to help inspire the next generation of architects, engineers, and builders? Applied Software Great Tech Group does too. In fact, they have launched a scholarship contest and need your help spreading the word. If you know any students or teachers who could benefit from the contest, tell them to visit asti.com slash AEC scholarship for more information. Applied Great Tech is giving away over $1,000 to help students pursue their dreams. And we need your help to make it happen. So what are you waiting for? Let's make a difference together. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get a, a little bit more practical. How do you see the, the digital solutions really helping shape the, the future of, of site management? Well, you think... <laughs> Everyone's talking about sustainability as, a, as an example. You know, how I would hate to think of how many trees have been chopped down in this, on this planet for site diaries and permits that are on site that are being written onto. It must be into the, you know, the hundreds of, well, the millions, isn't it, realistically? So mm. let's talk about you know, that sustainability side is these digital platforms like ourselves can take your sites completely paperless. With that, you're not logging it, you're streamlining this process because it's captured off of your mobile phone you don't have to go and find a site manager to have a counter signature. They instantly receive a push notification or an email to then countersign your permit as a great example here. And it's automatically logged for you. 
you don't need to go and upload it to the wrong folder. It's instantly logged in the right place with, a, with an audit trail within a matter of seconds. And then you can actually start your work that day. Um, a great example, if you're, on a, if you're on a busy site, how many times in the morning have you been working around for that site manager for a signature on a piece of paper? And if he's not in the cabin, that could be an hour, two hours. Um, I think someone told me they were spent three hours the other day waiting for a signature so they can go and use a ladder. What? It's efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what world are we living in here? So. Right. Yeah. So what what's the ideal workflow then and bringing in the, the tech stack side of things as well too? I mean, is getting everybody, look, everybody on site there's hundreds of different platforms being used and where we sort of focus as ourselves is to make sure we can provide that one central source of truth on site. Okay. And then integrating with the, the back office system. So it's trying to get everyone onto a platform that's going to work for them where they can have that central source of central source of truth, mm -hmm. because you now we've highlighted some of the, you know, the, the individuals in the sector as an example that they you know they might be of a higher age as an example or a bit more of a technophobe but if they've got 10 different platforms to start working off of it's going to create that level of confusion again or what am i doing on this platform as opposed to that platform and what am i putting on over here so it's to try and bring in that centralization of digitization um, and that you know there's a word that we use in the uk is that like interoperability so being able to talk to each other's systems, connecting to them. So you've got the best of the best. And that's generally what you know, I believe in and how we're supporting the sector um, from a field-based process. Yeah. So you just brought up one of my favorite topics with interoperability. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> uh, how is it? How is it working? Uh, of, uh, how does Plan Radar really connect all the different data pieces together? Obviously, it's good, you know, really, really good topic. Um, so because our system is fully bespoke in the way that we can we can capture information and we can customize the metadata fields, so the headings of the question sets and even the answers that the individuals are, are using Plan Radar to capture, mm -hmm. we can then integrate our platform via an open API to any of your pre-existing systems, as long as obviously as long as they've got an open API, or we integrate with them. Uh, so that mm -hmm. could be your your Power BI, your your SharePoint, and the likes of it, you know, let's say go down the route. If Procore have got the open API and and so on and so forth to make sure, again, you're getting the best platforms on the sector. Um, if they don't do this, and let's say, you know, you've got a standalone system, you've got Plan Radar as an example. Um, what we also believe in is the ability to export the information at any time, and it's free of charge. So you can export anything that we're doing via a CSV file or an Excel, or even a PDF format to then import it into another system as well, if you didn't go around the open API and the automation there. Gotcha. Uh, how should firms think about then really maximizing their data that they, they have coming in? Uh, one of the problems that is, is happening is that there's you know, there's so many different kind of software. There's so many different data lakes that are out there and there's influx of, of data, but then there's no real strategy, honestly, to figure out what to do with the data. And so you're just collecting data for data's sake. But how do you how do you look at that and have a real targeted strategy of this is what we need to collect, this is why we're collecting it, and this is what we're doing with the data? It's funny, I was going to flip that back on you there as well and ask, <laughs> and ask the same bit, but that 
that's exactly what we would say to someone. Look, if you're just going out on site and you're capturing information for the sake of capturing information, what, what are you really looking to achieve with it? It's mm. to have that clear mindset of, look, if we are, we use defect tracking as a good example. If you're going out on site and we're capturing defects, what are we trying to highlight here? Now, you can use PlanRadar or these digital platforms to actually discover trends. And something that, that you might look at is, okay, we're working with a particular contractor um, on 10 different sites, so one contractor company, and we've got lots of people working for them. So with that, you can use this data to then discover the trend of which sites are performing better. This contractor in particular is, you know, is great at the Atlanta region, but in the Nevada region, the contractors are really falling behind. They're causing us absolute mayhem. So how can we highlight this? Okay, look, well, we there's no point continuing with this contractor here. We really want to keep you in the Atlanta region. So discovering this data of who's causing the issues on site is a great example. Or, you know, let's focus on the positives there. You know, they're fantastic here. No issues with this contractor. Let's make sure we're awarding them more jobs because we're never having issues. They're always adhering to their SLAs, as an example. Um, another really, you know, some, some of the big data and how you're sort of capturing it is coming off of this golden thread, right? At the moment, we've not been, uh, the golden thread and the building safety at, around the fire safety. Um, one of the tasks that we sort of gone is we haven't been told exactly what we have to capture to what sort of extent yet. So it's open very much to everyone's, you know, there's certain elements, of course, but it's still open to people's interpretations of exactly what we have to capture on site. So we've got customers going to that, that gold standard. So look, it's, that, it's an overkill sort of phase, but we know, look, we're, we're really safeguarding ourselves. No one can come after us in the future because we're definitely doing our bit. But that mm -hmm. is very much open for interpretation. And we know we're never going to get the answers off of um, the building safety regulator because they, they also don't want to be liable for it. Um, right. So it's using that, you know, that common sense, that common knowledge of what, what do we need to do and how do we better ourselves to then better the, you know, the future or, or the sector as such as well. Mm -hmm. So how do you then create the, uh, the unofficial <laughs> industry <laughs> standard that the people can kind of opt into and, and buy in in a kind of critical mass way that this becomes the, the standard that you're going to start collecting does that make sense yeah of course so what we've sort of done and i think you know our competitors are sort of doing is we've really gone to the experts in the sector um you know we work with companies like arab global h you know arab which is a massive um fire consultancy specialist um global hc which is a multifaceted fire safety company as well and they've got i think three or four of the level five fire engineers in the uk working for them so we've what we've done is really gone to the specialist gone and asked their advice on what they need to capture and what they think would work right for them and mm. we've tried to help support the rest of the sector by doing this as well so look this is what they're doing we believe they're at the forefront you know we're trying to get you to this sort of standard as well to help support you um but we have the ability to amend and change this at any time and we don't you know, we don't believe in charging people for this because we know legislation is going to be changing consistently in the uk over the next you know three, five to ten years as an example yeah who do you think drives the standards is it industry is it technology is it government driving the the standard what's that what's that combination ideally should look like <laughs> i mean i wish it would be the the digital platforms but, <laughs> but it's definitely not um you know it's really sort of the you know the government are giving you one sort of standard 
And then I think it's open again, it's open for that interpretation because some of the other contractors that you're working in will then go, right, well, this is the government standard, but how do we how do we do better than that? How do we always stay above the line? Um, mm -hmm. And there's really good working groups like the Building Safe, uh, Building a Safer Future here in the UK that have also put in their sort of standards and their guidelines to making sure that, you know, you really are um, ticking all the boxes and, and going above and beyond. And it's not just there for a checkbox exercise day one. We're constantly monitoring this as well. So it's not, well, thank you, thank you for my medal. I'm going to walk away. It's, it's, we just talked about at the beginning of the conversation, it's really that mindset of the sector. Um, you know, it's government led here, uh, but it's got to come from the industry. And the, you know, in the nicest way, the industry was a bit on, on a different mindset and they're sort of slowly coming on to terms now of let's not penny pinch, um, so to speak, and really go, right, let's, let's make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So circling back on the sustainability aspect that you, you brought up uh, a few minutes ago, what do you think will really make the, the biggest sustainable impact on construction? It's hard for me to say because I'm not a carbon emissions expert in any way, shape or form. Obviously, I know that, you know, a big impact will still be trying to take some sites paperless. Uh, that's that's the impact that I, that I personally know about. But it's trying to reduce those carbon emissions overall um, and coming from the sustainability side using insulation as such. Uh, that, that's not my that's not my specialist sector. So apologies there. Yeah, no worries. I think that. Don't diminish the the digital aspect of it. I, that's huge. I, I heard a, a quote at a, a conference a few weeks back that has stuck with me, and it's uh, digital waste exponentially increases physical waste. So in the construction industry, if we can solve a, a lot of the, the pain on the digital side and get people more into the digitization, the digital transformation of construction, that just as a byproduct helps reduce a, a ton of a physical waste and creates a more sustainable construction industry. Yeah, I know that. Let's obviously talking on that digital side and something I sort of do know about is that rework element. You know, ensuring that the right people have the right plans in their hands at the right time. If mm -hmm. you start looking at distributing digital plans onto a site, I'm sure anyone that's listening would want to go, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, it's how many times have been someone been working to an older set, an outdated set of plans and drawings that have had a new revision uploaded, but it hasn't been issued to site yet. And all of a sudden you've got to take down tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds worth of material because we accidentally done it wrong as a site, the plans weren't updated or issued to that table that you were working from right. far, far too often. So yeah. this is where that digital platform can really come in is where we can reduce or, or limit rework to a certain level because they have always got the right information there. They're working off of the right plans and they, they you know, that's, that's almost guaranteed as long as, especially if there's an internet connection on site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What do you see as the, really the next step in the industrialization of construction? Cool. I, you know, I've, I saw some really exciting things that we were at some events. I think it's going to be the automation of the, these machines that are building houses, as an example, uh, from concrete, um, you know, large, large 3D, 3D printers, realistically, are they're incredible. I was watching yeah. what absolute monstrous pieces of, of kit, but it's really impressive. Uh, between that and modular, 
uh, modular builds is coming more and more um, popular here in the UK, especially. I think there's there's definitely going to be um, a big lead towards that moving forward. Yeah, no, I for sure I agree. I love the the modular aspect of it as well too. I think that that's that's really where the future is going. That the convergence between manufacturing and and construction is that that train has already taken off. <laughs> yeah. Now we just gotta really get on the the ride and yeah, you know, have fun, figure it out, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and move forward in that direction because that's where that's where it's going. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, your pun intended is uh, you know, people are really bridging the gap in that sector, obviously, because they're highlighting the reduction of overall cost as well. And the QA yeah. processes on, on site, re reduction of the rework and everything is uh, fitting in more smoothly. So they're delivering projects to a faster standard. So which we'll see, with, again, what helps on that, that bottom line sector. Um, you know, that's what this is where it's at now. Think of how much you know, the improvements that this is going to make in the next five to 10 years is going to be significant. Yeah, for sure. So that's really kind of embracing the the innovative mindset. So what does innovation mean to you? I mean, it's innovation is constantly looking at, you know, what what's there? What what are those sort of issues and how can we as individuals improve it? You know, what what can we do to make a make a change within this business or even in this sector? Um, mm -hmm. Our goal as a business was originally to to improve the communication and the collaboration on all construction projects of the facility management and bring them into one central source of truth so that one database that you have that transparent information on site as an example and then we've really sort of focused as well and on on that that taking those sites paperless of that innovative sort of area is you know everything can now be done in in one place um, and then you're starting to save the save the trees and so on and so forth for the sustainability sides yeah how do people find out more information on what you guys are doing at Plane Radar and connect with you? So you're welcome to go and visit our website, www.planradar.com. Um, we also have a, an office. We're, we're a global company as well. So we've got offices in the US, uh, UK, and all over Europe and Australia. So we'll have a local team to be able to support you, um, provide you with a demo so you can see exactly how Plan Radar can um, support you in your sector. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in construction. What would you pick to innovate? Cool. That's a good question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a tech nerd, so we're going to have to go down this route and, and sorry for the construction sector, but it would be the use of ro robots more on site or this uh -huh. AI technology, you know, putting putting brickwork together, putting walls up as an example. You know, you see some really impressive robotic work going on and is an, an Amazon warehouse, an example. You know, in my mind, how far away are we from something like that? Um, you know, I'm sure the sector would absolutely hate to hear that uh, because you know, that's a lot of people out of jobs. But I don't, I wonder how far away we are from something like that. And I don't think it's too far. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, th some of those machines, you, you watch those, videos i mean you can go down some rabbit trails like on instagram or something on the, seeing the the videos of just so such cool robots happening on job sites they're already happening i mean they're they're out there now just bringing it into kind of that the critical mass adoption yeah. phase probably not that far off i agree no, I'm going to say if Elon Musk has anything to do with it, I think he's only five, right. <laughs> five, five to ten years away, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Rob, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining the show. I really uh, uh, enjoyed the conversation. 
Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And look, thank you very much for having me today. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. The golden thread of information that Rob talked about is very important to break down the silos that exist, increase communication between stakeholders, and track your information throughout the lifecycle when you need it. Second take, I love a good interoperability conversation. It relates to another of my favorite topics, the expected experience of construction. We expect information to be synced in our personal lives. The same should apply for construction. And final take, it is crucial to have a data strategy in place. Ask yourself the following. What data do you need to collect? Why do you need to collect it? How are you going to collect it? And what are you going to use the data for after you have collected it? Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group. 2023.